0: If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530 8920521 John 15, the words of Jesus. Again, this is the seventh of the seven I am statements that John uses in his gospel along with seven miracles to prove that Jesus is God. Jesus said, I am the true vine. to be my disciples. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we do pray that you would speak to our hearts in applying it to our lives. Thank you, in Jesus' name. Amen. I've entitled this message, Jesus is the vine to which we belong. And I learned uh, in English class never to end with a preposition, so that's why I did not say Jesus is the vine to belong to. Jesus is the vine to which to belong. And that tells us that, you know what? Whether you're a Christian or not, every one of us belongs to something. That is, we are attached, we are following, we are belonging in uh, every way to something. We have an allegiance to something. For some, they would have a badge on their uh, shirt that says, I belong to, and it might be filled in with, I belong to the kingdom of myself. It's all about me, mine, and uh, it's all about me. So that it would be one way to look at it. Another is, I belong to my possessions and my riches. The possessions and riches of this world. You know, you can possess your possessions or your possessions can possess you. Do they belong to you or do you belong to them? Are they driving you and your life? Someone was just telling me today about how money can ruin relationships. And then Someone might have on that sticker, I belong to power, whether it is I'm of a certain political party or I am uh, belonging to I have I hold a certain philosophy, or even I belong to a certain people group. Even white old men can be a power trip of I belong to. But here's the, here's the problem. Anything other than Jesus that you may belong to, will suck you dry and leave you wanting. But if you belong to Jesus, He will fill you up and you will be satisfied. There will be purpose, there will be meaning, there will be significance in your life, there will be fruit that will come from your life. And so, I'd like to take John 15 and define one thing for you that I know you want to know what it is. What does it mean to abide in Jesus? You know that Jesus said, uh, I am the vine, you are the branches. You must abide in me or remain in me. What does it mean to abide in Jesus? And I'd like to tell you up front what I'm going to say. Then I'd like to tell you what I'm going to say. Then I'd like to repeat what I said. Hopefully, one of those times, uh, you will grasp it and say, yep, as I read John 15, Lou, you covered it well. That's exactly what it says. And you brought it home to my life because I want to abide in Christ. So abiding in Christ means uh, it involves cleansing, humility and reliance, prayer and fruit bearing, loving obedience, persecution, and spirit-filled witnessing. Let's see how that bears out in our passage. First of all, abiding involves cleansing. Um, John 15, 3 says, You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. You might remember that back in John 13, Jesus took off his outer garment and washed his disciples' feet. And Peter said, No, don't wash my feet. That's the task of a menial servant. Uh, and Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, then you have no part of me. Well, in that case, wash all of me. Give me tie, an entire bath, because I want you to have all of me. And Jesus says, no, you've already been made clean. You're, just your feet need to be clean. Now, what was that whole conversation about? It was the fact that when you trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are forgiven and you are cleansed from all your sin. When you traffic in the world, you're going to fail and you're going to blow it, and you are going to sin, and you ask for forgiveness, and your feet are clean. But in terms of your position in Christ, you are forgiven. You have the full righteousness of Christ given to you already. So you are already clean. So we do not live to earn the approval of God. We already have the approval of God. We are forgiven. We belong to him with security and He loves us, and so out of that acceptance, we live for him. We do not live a slavish life of performance-based acceptance. Performance-based acceptance is, if you do this, then I'll love you. And as long as you do this, I'll love you. No, God loves us so much, he gave Jesus to die on the cross for us so that our sins could be forgiven and washed away by his blood, so that we have the righteousness of Christ, we have been made clean already. When God looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Jesus himself. You are fully accepted. You belong 100%. You are secure in the hand of God, and it's out of that love and that position that you can confidently abide in Jesus. We are to walk in the light as he is in the light, and the blood of Christ will continuously cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 7. Secondly, abiding involves humility and reliance. Humility and reliance. And we see this in John 15, verses 4 to 6. Jesus said, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Have you ever heard this expression? It's not all about you. Have you ever heard that one? But sometimes we assign ourselves greater importance than even God. We think we are the all-sufficient, self-sufficient one. Jesus, speaking to the church at Laodicea in Revelation 3, 17 and 18, said, You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, so you can become rich, and white clothes to wear, so you can cover your shameful nakedness, and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. So we can think we're all that. We can think it's all about us, but it's not. God and God alone is the source and supplier. Where does eternal life come from? The Lord. Where does the ability to bear fruit come from? The Lord. Can a branch bear fruit of its own? I happened to walk on our parking lot and saw a some dead branches on a tree. So I picked one, and here it is. And it's very, very dead. It just snaps so easily. So imagine a branch apart from a tree. This living sap doesn't go into that branch anymore, and there's no way that branch is going to bear fruit. And so Jesus is pointing to the humility and the reliance that a branch must have, because rule number one, say along with me, no branch can bear fruit by itself. Again, everybody, no branch can bear fruit by itself. And then he repeats it. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Let's say it again. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do twice. Twice. Jesus gets the point across You're not the source and supplier. I am the vine, you are the branches. If we can get that straight first of all, then we're good. You know, in Isaiah 45 verse 9, does the clay say to the potter, what are you making? Can you imagine a piece of clay, you know, saying, hey, buddy, what do you think you're making? I don't want to be a cup, I want to be a vase. And uh, you just don't talk to the potter that way. He's the potter. I am the clay. Mold me and make me. And have your own way. That's where we need to be. We need to be having daily dependence upon the Lord. We need to rely upon him. And trust in him. And acknowledge him in all our ways. Because we can't bear fruit apart from him. Now, What we do in our society is we uh, cover up the fact that we're fruitless by taping fruit onto our branches. So here's a dead branch, and I'm using scotch tape with green grapes. Oh, and look at that. The fruit doesn't even last. The the, the tape just fell off the, the branch. So we might pretend, oh, look at me. I'm fruitful, and churches might pretend, look, we're fruitful, we got a bus ministry, and we support lots of missionaries. We're fruit. <laughs> See, the fruit doesn't last. Apart from Christ, we can do nothing. And some, some people, they're all leaves and no fruit. You know what I'm saying? It's all show, and nothing to really show for it. So beware Jesus wants us to bear fruit. He wants us to bear more fruit. He wants us to bear much fruit to the glory of his Father. You see that progression in John chapter 15. But we can't do it on our own. We have to rely upon the Spirit of God, who is the living um, power of the Lord. And abiding involves prayer. In this chapter, where Jesus is speaking, he says twice the importance of prayer. He says in John fifteen seventy eight, "If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you." This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So don't miss these powerful words. To abide in Christ means that we want His Word to abide in us. To have his word abide in us, it says in Colossians chapter uh, 2, uh, 15, uh, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And it means let the word of Christ be at home in your life. May you be so comfortable in knowing the word that it's just part of your thinking, it's part of your decision making, it's part of how you look at life. You have the wisdom of the word filling your heart. And if the word is in you and is at home in you and you're at home in the word, you're abiding in Christ. And when you pray, what are you going to pray for? Well, you're not going to pray for a Rolls Royce. You're not going to pray for something selfish to spend on you. You're going to pray on anything that will glorify God. You're going to pray for anything that will help you to bear fruit the glory of God. Amen? Delight in the Lord, and he will grant you the desires of your heart. When you delight in the Lord, the desires of your heart are what delight the Lord. So your will, your heart is beating after his. You want what he wants. I want to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, knowing that he will provide all things along with that. And God says, yes, I'm happy to answer that prayer. So we are to pray. Lord, help me to be a witness to my neighbor. Help me, Lord, to speak some word of wisdom to my great-grandson. Or whatever the word is, whatever you want to do in ministry for the Lord, you ask it of God and he will grant it because it's right in line with his will. And Jesus repeats this in John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, not fall off the branch like this one. And so that whatever you ask in in the name of the Father, whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. So Jesus is saying, the bottom line is bearing fruit. Anything you ask for in line with bearing fruit, the Father will answer, because I've chosen you for the purpose of bearing fruit. Now, this raises the question, what is fruit? Can we define what fruit is? You've been chosen to bear fruit. What are we talking about? Well, number one, when you trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and the Holy Spirit comes into your life, the fruit that should be coming out of your life is the fruit of the Spirit which is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and um, faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit, the character of Christ, should be shining through you. There were two kids, and they were talking about receiving Christ. One had received Christ, and one had not. So the one who hadn't received Christ asked the one who had received Christ, What's it like to to ask Jesus into your heart? He says, does he stick out? I love that because kids think concretely. They can't think abstractly. And so they're thinking of a man coming into somebody's heart and sticking out. And the answer, the truth is, yes. When you ask Jesus into your heart, he should stick out you should see Jesus sticking out of the life of a follower of Christ. So the fruit of the Spirit, the character and conduct of Christ is what we're talking about. Lord, help me to be more like Jesus. Help me to reflect Jesus in love and in service and in compassion and um, in devotion and in prayer and, uh, and so forth. But also fruit can be the winning of souls. He who wins souls is wise. So bearing of fruit could be a sharing Christ with others. Now, we may not bring them to the Lord, but we could bring them one step closer to the Lord, right? That's spiritual fruit. Also, in Hebrews, it says the fruit of our lips is praise to God. We should be praising God. That's fruit. So we, should, we are children of light, and we should bear the fruit of everything that is good and right and true. Ephesians chapter 5. So there's different aspects of what fruit could be, but primarily it's a life that reflects our Lord. Our Father says, I am holy, be holy as I am holy. So we are to reflect the holiness and the character of our Lord. And we can't do that on our own. We have to rely upon the Holy Spirit. And that involves prayer and fruit-bearing. Abiding in Christ also involves, and this is a big piece of it, loving obedience. Jesus said in John 15, 9-10, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love, abide in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain or abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. So you are loved. Take that 100% as true. Does God love you? The answer is yes. He loves you with an everlasting love. You can take that to the bank. Now, how do you experience that love? How do you remain in that love so that there's a growing intimacy in knowing the Lord? Well, you do it by obeying his word. When you obey his word, you find God is true to everything he said And God works all things for good in that regard. So he says it there. He says it in John 15, 12 to 15. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Have you ever heard someone say, I've never asked somebody to do something that I haven't done first. Have you ever heard someone say that? Well, how can Jesus ask you and me to love one another, it's because he said, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. I'm about to lay down my life for you, my friends. Therefore, don't hold back. Love one another as I have set the example. I did it first. You get it? And then in John 15, 12 to 15, Jesus said, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Back in that day, a king or an emperor would have an inner circle. This inner circle of friends were more important than the generals and the cabinet and whatever leadership group there was. That inner circle of friends could go into the bedchamber of the king early in the morning and talk with him about private matters or about the future, and the king would talk to him friend to friend. You are in God's inner circle. You know the circle of trust? I saw a t-shirt that's, that had a circle and it said, this is the circle of trust, and then showed a stick figure outside of the circle of trust and said, this is you. It's just the opposite with God. This is a circle of trust, and you are in God's circle of trust. God has made clear to you and me through the Bible what's going to happen in the future. He's laid it out. He's entrusted us the mysteries of years past, and he's revealed these things to us. We're in God's inner circle. We are his friends. And it behooves us to watch and pray, to listen to the Lord. And abiding involves persecution. John 15, 20 is just one of many verses where Jesus in this section talks about how the world will hate you. The word hate or hatred is used seven times in this section. Jesus said, remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. So there's two sides of the coin. You're always going to have people who hate you because you stand for Jesus. And you're going to have people who love you and listen to what you say because you stand for Jesus. That's the way it's going to be. Don't be surprised that people oppose you because they see Jesus in you or you take a stand for Jesus. But also, don't be surprised that someone has trusted in Christ because of you. I'll never forget the first time I shared my faith. I would learned The Four Spiritual Laws. And I was in the band room in high school. And I said to Cindy Croah, I said, Cindy, have you uh, heard of the Four Spiritual Laws? She says, no. I said, could I just take a moment to read these to you? She says, okay. Now you need to know the band room was a room where everybody hung out. And I expected someone to interrupt us at any moment but I read the four spiritual laws with my hand shaking like this. And I never looked at Cindy. I was just so shy and frightened. And when I got to the point, which circle represents your life, the one with the cross in it, Jesus in it, or the one with the cross outside of it? Jesus has You haven't accepted Jesus. She said, the one without the cross inside of it. I said, which would you like to have you know, represent you? She says, the one with Jesus inside of it. Would you like to pray this prayer? She says, yes. And she prayed the prayer to receive Christ. And I was in shock. And honestly, I was in disbelief. I was like, oh, I don't think that that took, you know. Two years later, I was at the Western Connecticut State College campus with my brother, who was a music major there. And I ran into, of all people, Cindy Crowe. And I said, Cindy Crowe, you're not a Christian, are you? That's how little faith I had. And she looked at me and she says, yes, I'm a Christian, and I'm the president of the Christian Fellowship here on campus. So just as there are people who will reject your word because you stand for Christ, there are people who will receive your word and trust in Jesus, and live for Jesus, even if you have little to no faith like I did. Praise and glory be to God. And abiding involves spirit-filled witness. John 15, 26-27, when the advocate, that's a word for the Holy Spirit, when the advocate, the person who's on your side, comes, whom I will send to you from the Father. The Spirit of truth is another title for the Holy Spirit who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me, and you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. So the Holy Spirit inside of us gives us the boldness and the ability to witness for Christ. It's no surprise that when the disciples were in the upper room and the Holy Spirit came upon them, there were symbols of of tongues of fire above their heads. Why? Because Jesus, by his Spirit, lit their tongues on fire to be bold in their witness for Christ. He opened their mouths to declare the works of God on the uh, day of Pentecost. And uh, Peter preached in the power of the Spirit and 3,000 people came to Christ then and there. And that's the Holy Spirit. He testifies about Jesus. And he lives inside of you. And so when you share with someone, it's as if God himself is making an appeal with that person to be reconciled with God. That is happening. I can feel the Holy Spirit inside of me saying, but won't you consider that Jesus loves you? He died on the cross for you. You could have your sins forgiven and have the gift of eternal life. I beg you, I appeal to you, trust in Jesus. That's the Lord inside of you making an appeal. And we are to be spirit-filled witnesses. So, this is what it means to abide in Jesus according to John 15. Does this make sense? Did I go through the chapter okay? That first, we're cleansed. Secondly, we've got to remain attached because we can't do it in our own strength. We've got to rely on the Lord. We've got to pray and say, Lord, By ministry, I want to bear fruit in being a witness for you in this person's life and that person's life. I want to grow in patience and kindness and love. And we want to be loving in obedience. And we want to stand up even when we're persecuted. And we want to witness by the power of the Spirit. We take the initiative to share the gospel of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, leaving the results up to God. We don't save anybody. The Holy Spirit does. But God can use you to help someone who's a negative 10 on the spectrum of receiving Christ at zero to move from a negative 10 to a negative 9. Well, that wasn't too bad of a Christian. Or that person might be so ripe, they're a negative 1, and you're the last drop to fall on that hard rock and they trust in Christ and become a Christian. You can help a person become take one step closer to Christ. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Jesus, for saying it so clearly and plainly that you are the vine, the true vine, and that we are the branches. Thank you, Father, that you prune us so that we might bear much and lasting fruit. And Lord, help us to uh, cooperate with you Help us to remain with you, Jesus, in uh, growing in a relationship that's listening to your word and talking to you in prayer and opening our mouths to those who don't know you as a witness, as ambassadors for Christ, uh, ambassadors of reconciliation, that they may come to Christ. So, Lord, thank you for this encouraging word. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.